Hello everyone, welcome back to the True Crime Friday podcast. This episode is a bit of a shitty one, but they're all quite shitty, so I don't know why I would say that. This episode contains a mention of violence, murder, stalking, and paedophilia that some people may find offensive or upsetting, and if that is the case, this may not be the episode for you. So just a quick warning about that before we dive into this. But yeah, enjoy the episode. Hello? Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Cool. Cool. Same-ish. Ish. Same. I'm, I'm doing very, very well. You sound it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but yeah, hello guys, welcome back to a new episode. We hoped you enjoyed our Christmas party on Friday. Hope you guys that was enjoyed good. it. It was good, it was good. we got a pretty good turnaround, that was pretty decent. Uh, another thing to share before we get into this episode, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a quicker one maybe, I'm not too sure, probably the same length, I, I'm not too sure. Um, we hit 1,100 1, plays today. Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah, we did. Yes, let's fucking go, lads. One thousand one hundred plays, lads and lasses. This is <laughs> that's sake. fucking class. Yeah, it is pretty good. So let's hope it goes, it gets bigger. Let's hope it just goes, get, the number gets higher. So today, uh, it's it's my week, and. We're going to be talking about a serial killer who was mostly known as the dating game killer. Oh, hang on. I think I know this. You might know this one, yeah. Is this the guy that appeared on the American game show? Yes. Oh, what's his name? I don't know the full story, but I do remember seeing it that he was a contestant and then after the show stuff happened, I think. Yeah. I, I don't want to say too much, but I know he's on. I can't remember then what the day uh, the game show was. It was kind of like a dating thing, maybe. I'm not sure, but I I remember seeing this guy. It wasn't recent. I know that for sure. No, no, it wasn't recent. It was pretty much all like in the eighties. Yes, I, I have this vague image of kind of, of what serial, he looked like. The time of classic rock and serial killers. Yeah, because it was just one of those things that, as I mentioned beforehand, you know when it's one of those weird instances and then you always see it on like YouTube or something with the catchy title of like this serial killer that was on a game show and you think there's no way and then you, because you know that's the main aspect for it. So I'm, I'm excited to hear the full story. I only know slight tad bits. Yeah, so um, this is the case of Rodney Alcala. He was an American serial killer and paedophile who was mostly known as the dating game killer. He was identified mostly for his hair and his apparent charm that he had to lure in his victims. But most women who managed to escape him described him as the complete opposite and rather as a creep who gave off a negative vibe. So like the media dubbed him as this really charming guy, very similar to Bundy in in some kind of a sense. Uh, Yeah, and he just wasn't that according to a lot of the women that actually managed to escape him. So he was born as uh, Rodrigo uh, 
So he, so he was, sorry, he was born as Rodrigo Jacques Alcala Bacor in San Antonio, Texas on the 23rd of August, 1943. He moved to Mexico with his family when he was about, when he was around eight years old and his father abandoned the family while they were in Mexico. Alcala, his siblings and his mother would later relocate to Los Angeles. At the age of 17, he then joined the army. It seems like they all do. He was discharged in 1967 after suffering a breakdown and being diagnosed with an antisocial personality disorder. He attended California State University, then transferred over to UCLA, and he graduated with a fine arts degree in 1968. So, you know, he could have done something with his life that wasn't murder, but he decided to, you know, go the other way. Wait, he had a degree in arts? Yeah. Well, all the people that do arts... Uh, sorry, do arts turn out to be assholes? So... True. Alcala committed his first known crime in 1968. An eyewitness in Los Angeles called the police after watching Alcala lure an eight-year-old girl named Tally Shapiro into his Hollywood apartment. There is a lot of like mentions of stuff like this, by the way, so just going to pre-warn. When the police arrived, the girl was found alive, but she had already been raped and beaten with a steel bar. Ooh. And Rodney Alcala had already ran away out of the window. Uh, to evade the resulting ar- arrest warrant, he left the state and enrolled in the NYU film school using the name John Berger. Changing his name and running from every crime becomes pretty much very common for him. He does it a lot. And it's the reason why his crimes actually go into different countries. So he doesn't just stay in America doing his all pile of shit crap (laughs) he literally decides to take it international oh dear in 1971 he obtained a counseling job don't know who's hiring him well at the new hampshire arts camp for children using a slightly different alias which was john berger in june 1971 uh cornelia michael creeley a 23 year old twa flight attendant was found raped and strangled in her manhattan apartment around this time as well and her murder was actually unsolved until 2011 when she was put on the list of victims victims for rodney alcala so he had already at this point started his crimes but no one kind of knows why he just randomly started there was literally nothing else that could have like, indicated why he did it at all, but at this point he has already raped a child, so clearly he is capable of fucking he, anything. He, he's evil, yeah. He's an evil piece of shit, yeah. The FBI added Alcala to its list of 10 most wanted fugitives in early 1971. A few months later, two children attending the arts camp noticed his photo on an FBI poster at the post office. Alcala was arrested and, extra, and, and extra, extradited to California. By then, by then, um, his entire family had relocated their entire family to Mexico. And sorry, sorry. By the time, by that half, by the time that happened, the little girl that he had attacked, uh, her parents had already relocated the entire family to Mexico because they wanted to get away from the tragedy and the trauma of what had happened. And they refused to allow the, their daughter to testify at his trial because they didn't want to cause any more ongoing trauma in being in front of her abuser, really. Which, I know some people can have mixed opinions on that kind of decision-making, because obviously 
trial doesn't take place and obviously because there was no one there to testify he wasn't able to be convicted of rape and attempted murder because there was no primary witness so so in the end he was only convicted of child molestation and he was only sentenced to three years in prison ah so if she had gone his sentence would have been worse uh yeah basically she is really shit Uh, so Alcala, however, was paroled in 1974 after 17 months. Less than two months after his release, he was rearrested for assaulting a 13-year-old girl identified in court as Julie J, who who had attempted what she thought would be a ride to school. Um, but obviously that wasn't the case. So this 13-year-old basically tried to get a ride to school one day. He was the one who picked. He was basically the one who picked her up, and he assaulted her in the car. And he was again paroled after only serving two years in prison after this. Bro, well, one, there's that recurring theme of they get let out of prison and they re-offend. So keeping them in prison, please. And the second thing is stranger danger. Oh my lord, Uh, I'm glad times have somewhat changed. But fucking 13 years old, yeah, I'll, I'll hop in this person's car and get a lift to school. Nah, fuck that. You know, yeah, I was a goody two-shoes and I would be maybe a bit scared if I was late. But some prick rolling up to me in the car being like, oh, fucking get in a car. I'll fucking drive you to school. Oh, no, thank you. I don't know who the fuck you are. I I just don't get it. You know, maybe it's just the way I think, but maybe there's other people who just get so swayed by someone that they'll just, okay, and have no second thought about ever questioning if I get in this car something bad's gonna happen. I mean, I always do, I don't always second think things that I do, but I would never, never get in some random fuck, fucking person's car. Oh, God, no. And the thing is, right, so my friend, my flatmate has just recently come back from a trip of... In- she went interrailing around Europe for a bit, and when she was there, she met quite a few Americans that were also travelling. Americans that had, admit America's a piece of shit, uh, which is great to see. Uh, but when she mentioned that she would, wants to, at some point, go travelling around America, at least at one point in, in her life, uh, they basically said, if you're going to do that, make sure you either have a lot of money to fly places or you have a, a driving licence and you rent, you can rent a car and you can drive around. Because otherwise, other than that, the only other option you've got is hitchhiking. And I was like... Hitchhiking is still a thing? Because it's not really a thing over here. And apparently... No, hitchhiking's a very American thing. I mean, in... I think from what I've seen, and I guess some kind of experience, Europeans are very nice. There's a lot of asshole Europeans, but I feel like from videos that I've seen of people, like, you could be travelling in your car and break down and some random stranger would come and help you. Or they'd be like, if you need a lift somewhere, I'll take you. And there's more or less a chance they're not going to do anything bad. There probably still is a chance they will, but I feel like in America, people are a lot more dodgy and the whole hitchhiking thing just happens. And I think over here, I'd have more trust in some people abroad. Yeah, there's Dodgers, but I think Europeans are a lot more nicer, but the whole hitchhiking thing just doesn't happen. So I think maybe that's why, but I mean, certainly not here for sure. No one really hitchhikes around here, you know, and neither would they in other European countries. Not that I've seen. When I've been abroad to European countries, I've never seen anyone like a hand out, hey, give me a lift. Yeah. So, 
yeah, it's a massive thing over there, like, still to this day. And I was like, I looked at my flatmate, and I was just like, I've covered so many cases where hitchhiking's gone so wrong if that's happened in America. Just stop. Think, just stop. You like, think because America's big, that's why they still do it? Because to travel... I mean, yeah, I guess there's European countries that are quite big, but in, in proportion to the US, everywhere seems small. So I feel like people just hitchhike in the US because it's like, I'm traveling this fuck off distance. Fuck it, I'll, I'm stupid enough to get in a random stranger's car. I feel like maybe because there's, you know, we aren't as spread out um, that people wouldn't more likely get in a stranger's car. I mean, even the UK is quite big in comparison, but I still wouldn't. A three-hour drive for me, nah, I'm not getting in a stranger's car. And I don't care if we're not as widespread and there's a bunch of cities and towns in between my destination. Still not doing it. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I'm never going to do that. So after he was his second release in 1977, his Los Angeles parole officer took the unusual step of, permi- of, of permitting a repeat offender, a known flight risk, to travel to New York City. So they're letting him literally, while he's on parole, go into different states, which is normally not allowed at all uh nypd cold case investigators now believe that a week after arriving in manhattan alcala killed ellen jane hoover a 23 year old uh, daughter of the owner of the popular hollywood nightclub kieros i think i'm saying that right and she basically he killed a very very um rich and famous woman named ellen jane who is actually also the goddaughter of dean martin and sammy davis jr um, if anyone knows who they are, then that would be helpful. But uh, this was this was in the articles, by the way. I do. But can I, see, when I think of that, I just think of it's a case of, fuck it, yeah, you'll be at no risk. If you want to do dangerous shit, not in our state, do it in another one. Over here, if someone does something in one area and it's on the move, it's an automatic, holy shit, like, we ain't letting this person, if you catch them, you ain't getting anywhere. You know, we t- we need to know exactly where you're going and, you know, you're not getting leeway. Because I feel like it's, uh, you know, like, that's such a stupid thing and such an American thing to just, like, yeah, well, this guy's done some stuff here. Oh, fuck it. If he wants to travel halfway across the country and do it over there, well, that's fine. Like, what? And this man's offending. You shouldn't be allowed out of his state. He shouldn't be allowed anywhere else in the U.S. because he's going to do stuff over there. And then the people over there have to deal with this shit. Well, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so her remains were actually found buried on the grounds of Rockefeller Estate in Westchester County. And this is literally a week after getting there. So that parole officer probably beat himself up about that. In 1978, Alcala worked briefly at the Los Angeles Times as a typesetter and was interviewed by members of the Hillside Strangler Task Force as part of their investigation of known sex offenders. Although Alcala was ruled out as, a, as the Hillside Strangler, he was arrested and served a brief sentence for marijuana possession. That is the lightest thing this man will do. Uh, during this period, he convinced hundreds of young men and women that he was a professional fashion photographer and photographed them for his portfolio. Uh, a lot of these victims were young teenagers, by the way. A Times co-worker later recalled that Alcala shared his photos with many of his workmates. Uh, this, this co-worker said, 
I thought it was weird, but I was young and I didn't know anything. When I asked why he took the photos, he said their mums asked him to, and I remember the girls were naked. I'm like, that, that, that. Ah. Uh, she then said that he said he was a professional, so in my mind I was... So one of the girls who he actually photographed in 1979 said that he said he was a professional photographer, so in my mind I was being a model for him. Uh, the portfolio included spread after spread of naked teenage boys, apparently. Most of, wow. the, most of the photos were sexually explicit and most remain unidentified. Police fear that some of the subjects may be accidental... May, not accidental, sorry. Additional cold case victims. In 1979, according to later trial testimony, Alcala knocked unconscious and raped 15-year-old Monique Hoyt while she was posing for photographs. So... Now we're going to get into the point where it's the dating game. The reason why this piece of shit is famous, basically. And uh, this 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 video of him, this footage of him on the show is actually on YouTube. So if you want to go watch it, you can watch it. There's nothing like on it that's dark, well, well, dark in hindsight, but it's, there's nothing on there that's like, he's not committing a crime on there. But he is on it, and that's what makes it kind of eerie. Yeah. Um, I've seen maybe a tiny clip of it, but it is it is. Well, it's a bit weird to watch and a bit scary in a way because you're watching footage of what seems. It's one of those things where, like, if you showed it to someone, you think, "Well, what's this?" Uh, you show me a clip of an '80s dating show or whatnot. Okay, but it's when you know that he's a serial killer, and then you watch it your perspective changes because you know how you watch you just watch stuff when it happens like if I watch an episode of The Chase tonight I watch an episode of The Chase and then something comes out that one of the people on there was this you have no idea at the time and when you go back and watch it it, it makes it more eerie knowing that what's going on and what that situation is and you wish you could be you could go in there and be like stop stop this man's a you know one of those moments where you wish you could be in that scenario and tell everyone, no, just get away, this man. But obviously you can't because it happened yonks ago, but... I mean, yeah. So for those who don't know, the, game, the Dating Game was a game show that was aired on ABC, hosted by Jim Lange. If you're from the UK, then you actually might know this better as Blind Date. This oh, it is. Okay, I wondered if it... So it's called The Dating Game. It's called it's called The, the Dating Game, but in the UK oh, it was wow. called Blind Date. I know they're just... The Americans don't know. I mean, of course... Yeah, so it's, of course, the Americans always have to take a version of something that's ours, but, you know, I've not seen much of Blind Date. I actually don't know... I know Blind Date was done by Cilla Black, right? Yeah. Um, But I don't know. What's the rules of it? Because I've seen a couple things from it, but... Can you explain what, so, like, the rules of the game show is? Because I have no idea. Yeah, so basically, Blind Date, or the dating game, it was kind of... The the idea was that the bachelorette would ask three bachelors that were hidden from her view a series of ridiculous and double-entry kind of questions. Uh, so she could just be like, uh, person number three, um, if we were to go on a spontaneous date where would we go something like that oh. and then they would get their answer and obviously she would pick 
um, she, she'll ah. pick whoever she feels fit. It. I understand now. The Sidemen have done a similar thing like this, but I didn't know that format yeah. was basically what Blind Date was. I've seen a couple of YouTubers do it. Okay, yeah, people it, are probably thinking, oh, Matthew, how did you not click that? But okay, that's the format. Yeah, yeah, and then basically, yeah. Whoever they pick at the end of it, based on what the person said, without seeing them... They go on a date. An actual date, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they go on a date. Oh, okay. I mean, the, I, mean I, I, I know people watched it a lot. I mean, I've watched a lot of Take Me Out. I find that quite good. Although realistically on some of these dating type game shows and stuff does it ever really work out mm. yeah yeah exactly I, I love watching first dates it's not a game show but i love watching first dates because some of that entertaining, yeah first is entertaining because there's a lot more to it than it's like a game show it's actually i feel like there's more connection to people actually do form relationships out of that but the game show ones i feel like if you're on something with a partner, that's fine. But if you're trying to look for love and you go on something like that, you know, and especially because you don't see the person, I mean, you know, people are like if if they don't like the looks. But um, now I know there was that's what it is. It's a U.S. version of Blind Date. Yeah. So in 1978, Alcala was a contestant on the game show. Uh, host Jim Lange introduced him as a success as a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in a dark room at the age of 13, and that was obviously bullshit. So wait, that's why I'm worried. Uh, wor not worried and confused it. I, I know times have changed for when you have to get on a show, but surely they did not background check folk, or is it this, just... This was the 70s. They didn't, back they didn't background check fucking anything. So I guess he just applied, and there was a waiting list, and he just got on. They'll, and probably they said, do, they'll probably do like a series of like, oh, let's bring you in to see what you look like kind of deal. But basically, oh, yeah. Basically, I bet yeah. you got it because of how he looked as well. Most likely, yeah. And if he kind of like showed that he could be charming, then they'd obviously be like, oh, no, you'd be you'd be a perfect fit. Let's get you on the show. Um, and they, they ate up his lies because he's, he said, oh, I'm a photographer. And they've gone, okay. And not, you know. Exactly. So a fellow Bachelor contestant later described Alcala as being a very strange guy with bizarre opinions. Now, he actually won the competition and was arranged to go on a date with the bachelorette who was Cheryl Bradshaw. And she actually refused to go out with him because she found him creepy. So the date never actually happened. Oh, wow. okay. Well, uh... She found him too creepy. Um, like she, like On the clip on YouTube, you might see that she's actually all for it and she's happy and whatever. But obviously, as soon as the cameras go off, it, things can completely change. Because I wonder, do they actually ask them on the show like oh are you gonna enjoy the date or whatnot because i know one like take me out afterwards they do the little camera interview where it's like and they say something about it but does she actually say anything or is it, or is it just you're going on a date okay and they go away and they don't say oh I, i'm excited oh i think it's gonna be good oh they might do but you never know uh so no i mean yeah, props to her for saying look i don't want to go on this date honestly because oh, yeah, if she went to, if she'd if she'd went went through with it yeah she could then... have been on the list of victims that would have been probably way worse. But uh, you know what? I also like that she didn't go on with him because it's a kick in the teeth for this guy. Like, fuck you. On, you know, you've just been uh, outed by a woman, basically, you know, for making it seem like she was interested and pff, just wasn't right in your face. So criminal profiler Pat Brown noted that Alcala killed at least three women after his dating game appearance. 
and speculated that this rejection might have been an extrapolating factor. Bullshit. That's oh. not an excuse. No. Oh, you can't use that, man. That's pinning the blame on her. I mean, for one, she went on the show with no idea that you were going to be on it. And then just so happened, didn't have interest in you. And then people are going to say that, oh, because he got rejected, he just decided to kill more people. You can't. Oh, come on. That's the, it's, it's the, one of those situations where people just find like a reason or like, oh, that's the excuse. That's the reason. It's like, oh, come on now. Uh, the dog ate my homework. Are we doing that stuff again? No. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, so yeah, obviously, the fact that a woman like let's put this out to the incels. If you are listening, I doubt you are. But um, just because a woman rejects you doesn't mean you have to go out and treat other women like shit. Like it's not how it works, and you shouldn't have to use that as excuse for your shitty behaviour. This man also, bear in mind, groomed boys and children too. And I'm not gonna, and I don't think getting rejected by someone's gonna be the reason why you do that. No, I mean I've been rejected. And I just took it on the chin. But this guy's already doing and had done evil stuff beforehand. So this wasn't a trigger for him to do that. He was already evil in his blood, to be honest. And was probably going to do it anyway, regardless of what the outcome was. Because if we look at it this way, like you said, if she'd gone on the date, she was probably more than likely going to be a victim anyway. He probably went on the show to look for someone that was probably going to be a victim if he did win. I mean, yeah. So, uh, one of the contestants, so, so, uh, the, I'm losing my place, I'm losing my mind. Uh, criminal, the, uh, Pat Brown said that one, uh, one wonders what this did to his mind. That is something he would not take well. Serial killers don't understand rejection. They think something is wrong with that girl. She played me, she played hard to get, etc. That's not hard to get. That's not what hard to get is. That's, that, that is definitely not it. So now we're going to go a bit more into some of the victims. So Robin Samos, uh, Samo, Samos, yes, Samo, Robin Samos was born on the thirteenth of December, nineteen sixty-six, in Kenosha, um, Kenosha County, Wisconsin, meaning that she ran into Alcala when she was only twelve years old. On the twentieth of June, nineteen seventy-nine, Robin was riding her bicycle near the Huntington Beach Pier when she was abducted by Rodney Alcala, and this was when she was on her way to ballet class. Her decomposing body was found 12 days later in the Los Angeles foothills. Her friends told police that a stranger had approached them on the beach, asking to take their pictures. Detectives circulated a sketch of the, of the photographer and Alcala's profile was recognised. During a search of Alcala's mother's house in Montreux Park, people, uh, police found a rental receipt for a storage locker in Seattle. In the locker is where they found Robin's earrings. So basically, he was collecting trophies, which a lot of serial killers do. Yeah, it's always weird when they do that. It's... That's... Sort of that weird sort of feeling you get inside when they're taking pride out of their achievements by these little things. And it's so sick because you can... I can just imagine there's like a shelf or a cabinet and they place them in there for everyone to see... And they look at that thinking, ah, there's that victim there, there's the other one. And it's just a horrible thought. So he was actually arrested in July 1979 and held without bail. In, in 1980, he was tried, convicted and sentenced to death for her murder. 
but the verdict was overturned by the California Supreme Court because jurors had been impromptly uh, informed of his prior sex crimes. In 1986, after a second trial, virtually uh, virtually identical to the first, except for omission of the prior criminal record testimony, he was again convicted and sentenced to death. A Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals panel uh, and the second conviction... Imp- Sorry, I'm trying to really figure out... I wrote this a long time ago, by the way. Da-da-da-da-da... Uh, Oh, yeah, so weirdly enough, some witnesses weren't allowed to support his connection at, at, at all to it because they said that the park ranger who found Robin's body had been hypnotized by police investigators. I don't know why, oh. but they were like, no, he's clearly been hypnotized to for all this shit. Uh, hmm... It's weird as fuck. So, while preparing for their third prosecution in in 2003, Orange County, California investigators learned that Alcala's DNA sampled a few... So, uh, sorry, they learned that his DNA sampled under a new state law and and matched semen left at the rape murder scenes of two women in Los Angeles. So, right now, at this point, he's getting connected to various other cases at this point. Additional evidence, including another cold case DNA match in 2004, led to Alcala's indictment for the murders of four additional women. Now, these women are... Yeah. These women are... is One of them is Jill Barcombe, uh, who was a woman from Owen... Oh, fuck's sake, I can't read today. Onida, New York, who was killed in Southern California at the age of 18 in 1977 by Rodney Alcala. Jill had been in Southern California for about three weeks when her body was found on a dirt path near Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles. Jill was found in a knee-to-chest position and naked from the waist down. There were signs of sexual assault and she had been strangled with a pair of blue slacks and she was beaten. She also had three bite marks on her right breast, and according to the Los Angeles County Coroner's... Sorry, she had three bite marks on her right breast, according to the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office. Next was Georgia Wixt. Georgia was a registered nurse who was killed at the age of 27 by, by Alcala. Her bruised and battered body was found on the floor of her Malibu studio apartment near her brass bed on the 16th of December 1977. She was naked and had been sexually assaulted before she was tortured, bludgeoned, and strangled. So he just he's getting worse as it goes on. And a hammer was found next to her body. Like, he left the murder weapon, and he did all this horrific shit, and he's just getting worse. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Next was Charlotte Lamb. Charlotte was a legal secretary from Santa Monica who was killed at the age of 32. Her naked body was found on the 24th of June 1978 in the laundry room room of a large apartment complex in El Segundo. She had been sexually assaulted and strangled with a shoelace. The apartment manager found her body laying face up with her hands behind her back, but residents said that they had never actually seen her before. So a lot of people were kind of like, I don't know who this woman is. So not a lot of people kind of, there's no one to really identify her for a little while, which is really like sad to think about. 
I mean, death by shoelace. Damn, that's well, that's one way to go. Next was uh, Jill Parentu. She was a computer program key punch operator who was killed at the age of 21. Jill was killed on the 14th of June 1979 by an intruder who broke into her apartment by jimmying window by jimmying her window. She was 21 years old. Her new body her nude body was found on the bedroom floor, propped up by pillows. All the bodies were found posed in carefully chosen positions. Another pair of earrings were found in Alcala's Seattle storage locker and had residue that matched that matched one of the previous that matched sorry Charlotte's DNA. During his incarceration between the second and third trials, Alcala wrote and self-published a book called You, not the same as the now popular TV show. Oh. In the book, he claimed he he claimed innocence in the Samoa's case and suggested a different suspect. He also filed two lawsuits against the California penal system for a slip and fall incident and for refusing to provide him with a low-fat diet. Wait a minute. He's, sorry. He's filing a lawsuit for a slip incident? Y- yeah. What? Because he... Wait. Because uh, he slipped? Yeah. Are you fucking, you're fucking joking, right? No. No. What? What fucking be on the low fat diet? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Oh, fucking that's stupid. Come on. Imagine if you got someone's like, oh, I'm fucking. I'm filing a lawsuit against you. Why? Well, because you made me trip. Oh, well, fuck off. You fucking idiot. And a low fat diet. Fuck me. I'm. Bro, if he wrote a fucking book. How the, how the fuck did he write a book if he's fucking filing lawsuits for trips and not having a low-fat diet? I know, I know. What a fucking idiot. And then also writing the book and then, you know, a book that he's hoping to sell and being in, oh, well, I'll testify my innocence in that because people reading my book are going to side with me. Well, I don't think so. Yeah, I, know, I don't know why they do this shit. It doesn't ever fucking work. Like, what's the... You know, like, if you write a book about yourself... Yeah. Then you include personal details. But if people write a book to put in information about them in a sense, if I just wrote a book right now to be like, well, I'm just going to write a book and put in that book, I never farted today. No, I never. And then the book's about, I don't know, some like fairy fantasy, fantasy story I've written and that was just shoved in there so people could see it. Oh, fuck off. Nobody wants to know if you're innocent or not. We know you're a twat. But you putting all that stuff in there to be like, hey, I'm an innocent guy. Listen to me. I, you bought my book. Everything in it's the truth and only the truth. It must be. I published a book. I can't be a liar. Yeah, he's the fucking... I don't Logic is not there with this dude. In 2003, prosecutors entered a motion to join the Samoa's charges with those of the four newly discovered victims. Alcala's attorneys contested it at contested it as one of them explained if you're a juror and you hear one murder case you may be able to have reasonable doubt but it's very hard to say you have reasonable doubt on all five especially when four of the five aren't alleged by eyewitnesses but are proven by dna matches which is fucking true just because like if if there's like one murder case you could be like this person could have been framed this might not been them all this kind of shit but However, there's five, and there's DNA connected. There is actual evidence for this shit. Yeah, I mean, if you're arguing against DNA, which is 
pretty solid evidence, unless the DNA and if someone else is wrongly, then something's wrong. You know, five and DNA is pretty solidifying evidence in my eyes, unless he somehow carefully planted DNA of somebody else in each of the five to make it look like someone else. But I don't think that man was smart enough or even has the IQ to do something that smart. Well, yeah. Uh, so, in 2006, the California Supreme Court ruled in the prosecution's favour, and in February 2010, Alcala stood trial on the five joint charges. For the third trial, Alcala elected to act, to act as his own attorney, so he did a bit of the Bundy approach. He took the stand in his own defence and, and for five hours played the roles of both interrogator and witness, asking himself questions and addressing himself as Mr. Alcala in a deeper-than-normal voice. Well, he was asking himself questions. Yeah, he was basically playing pretend with himself. You know, like, a, like he just, yeah, he was basically pl- playing make-believe with himself. Oh, yeah. so this guy was asking himself questions, Matthew. He was, was he? Oh, yes, he was, Matthew. I mean, I've just... Uh, basically like, like that, yeah. Yeah, like, the weird third person, you know, when it's like, oh, and now Matthew is going to respond to that. You know, like, just like, at, at the third person, or like... I talk to myself sometimes, but I never out loud say the, like the double thing as if like you know in like the TV shows where they joke it like the camera pans to the person here and pans to them on the other sides if they're having a combo with themselves. It's very weird, especially to do it in a situation like this. You know, asking him like like I can imagine him being like, "So, did you murder them, Mister Alcala? No, I did not murder them." Are you sure, Mr. Alcala? Like, him doing that is fucking weird. Uh, no. Like, I, I... This guy might have had some... I have had some problems uh, with himself. The fact that he was uh, speaking to himself. And especially using a deeper voice as well. I mean, if you're doing it in a situation like that, that's very fucked up. I know he's done all that fucked up stuff, but it just adds to the layer of him, you know doing a conversation back between himself yeah yeah so this is a man like in 2003 as well so he's probably going into like his 40s at this point as well like it's just yeah i mean like not that there's not a time for anyone to go insane but when you're at that age like if he's in his like 40s or whatnot you know if my even if i my grandpa now if he was like talking to himself in that sort of way i've been thinking what the hell's going on how long is this going on for you know, older people, I don't think they do that sort of thing. I think someone to do this would be like a younger person wouldn't talk to themselves in this silly way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, he would answer his own questions, obviously. During the self-questioning and answering session, he told jurors, often in a rambling monotone, that he was a Knott's Berry Farm applying for a job as a photographer. As a photographer, at, so he he was at Knott's Berry Farm applying for a job as a photographer at the time Samoa's was kidnapped. He showed the jury a portion of his 1978 appearance on the dating game in an attempt to prove that the earrings found in his steel in his Seattle locker were his and not the girl's. He's a very weird man. Jed Mills, the actor who was the guy who was against Alcala on the show, told a reporter that the earrings were not yet a socially that earrings were not yet a socially acceptable accessory for men in 1978. He said, 
if I had, I he said I had never seen a man wear an earring in his ear. He said I would have noticed them on him because it just wasn't a normality then. So if you were a guy in the seventies that wore earrings, it was probably fairly noticeable just because it wasn't as popular as it is say now. You probably have had to have been like a musician or someone in fashion yeah. that's high up in the public exactly. eye. I mean, it's such it's so weird to think that like because now. As far as I can remember, all my life, I've seen males with piercings and people with that all the time, even bigger stretched lobes and all that. So I've never never been in a time where I haven't seen a man wear them. So, And that, I guess that's good evidence for that man to point out, you know, especially because uh, there's a lot of things now that y- if you say it, it's like, well, that's the norm now. Maybe if you said that a couple of years ago, that wouldn't be like a thing you'd say. So I feel like a lot of things now you you say that oh this person did this or I was wearing this that it's like well more likely you are this isn't like a time where this stuff's frowned upon. So the fact that he obviously said that you know he wasn't wearing earrings because it's not socially acceptable, people would have been like oh okay yeah it was the seventies people didn't wear that so that's true. Yeah. Uh, Alcala made no uh, significant attempt to dispute the four the four added charges other than to assert that he could not remember killing any of the women. As part of his closing argument, he plated the Arlo uh, Guthrie song Alice's Restaurant in which the protagonist tells the psychiatrist that he wants to kill. I don't know why he thought this was a good idea, but he's clearly thick as pig shit. After less than two days deliberation, the jury convicted him on all five counts of first degree murder. A surprise witness during the penalty phase of the trial was Tali Shapiro, Alcala's first known victim. Obviously, that was the girl that he had raped. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Richard Rampor, a psychiatrist paid by Alcala and the only defense witness testified that borderline personality disorder could explain Alcala's claims that he had no memory of committing the murders. The prosecutor argued that Alcala was a sexual predator who knew what he was doing was wrong and didn't care. So someone who was hired by him was like, no, dude. you." Oh. Uh, in March 2010, Alcala was sentenced to death for the third time. Now, obviously... Third time? Yeah. Well, you know, if, if, if you have to say that this... If you have to say someone is sentenced to death for the third time... That's very fucking fucked up and very bad. Oh, God. Gotcha. What? That's a sentence I don't think I'd have to hear. Someone being sentenced to death the third time. You know, sentenced to death once. That's like, oh, shit. Oh, okay, this guy's fucked. You know, sentenced to death twice. Like, holy fuck, I didn't know you could be sentenced to death twice. The third time, it's like, actually, what the absolute fucking fucking shit is going on? The third time? Fucking hell, man. You know, you know, when someone stands to death the first time, that should be them dead. They should be dying. We shouldn't have to have stuff keep getting prolonged. You know, you know, I hate it when they're like, oh, we'll sentence this person for this, and they change it to be like, oh, no, we'll, we'll redo them again, or uh, we'll change the sentencing, or oh, maybe we'll shorten it. No, make a decision and make a fucking good one to start with so you don't have to do all this bullshit, you know, because you just prolong stuff even more. You know, if they've done the fucked up crime, they get reprimanded for it, get a fucking decent sentencing, and if they're sentenced like if it's sentenced to death, poof, as quick as you can, they're fucked up, they should die. Or, you know, give them a sentence 
And if it's a hugely long sentence, they deserve it, boof. No debates, that's it, set in stone, boof. If they haven't proven that it's them. Because I know sometimes people obviously get proven wrong, and that's never good, thrown in jail for the wrong time. But if you have the evidence, and the man, or woman, or whoever is convicted, don't don't deliberate and shorten sentences in this, because it just prolongs it, and it makes it even worse. Sorry, that was a little rant, but <laughs> no, I'm just blo- I'm just blown away at the fact that this guy's been sentenced to death for the third time. Bro should have been dead on the first time he was fucking sentenced to death. The fact we've gotten to the third time has actually shocked me that that even that was even came to be. So after his 2010 conviction, New York authority New York authorities announced that they would no longer pursue Alcala because of his status as a convict awaiting execution. Nevertheless, in January 2011, a Manhattan grand jury indicated him for the murders of Cornelia Creeley, a TWI flight attendant, and Ellen Hoover. And in 19... Which, obviously, these murders happened in 1971 and 1977, which we discussed earlier. In June 2012, he was extradited to New York, where he initially entered not guilty pleas on both accounts. In December 2021, he changed both pleas. So, very, very recent. He changed, but he changed both. Please, let me just make sure I've got that written down. Yeah, right. Uh, sorry, I just had to make sure that was all written down, right? In December 2021, he changed both pleas to guilty, citing a desire to return to California to pursue appeals on his death penalty conviction. In January, on, on the 7th of January 2013, a Manhattan judge sentenced Alcala to an additional 25 years to life. The death penalty has not been an option in New York in New York since 2007. In 2010, Seattle police named Alcala a person of interest in an unsolved mur- in the unsolved murders of Antoinette Whitaker, who was 13 years old in 1977, and Joyce Gaunt, age 17, in February 1978. Alcala rented the Seattle area storage locker in which investigators fe- later found jewelry belonging to two of his California victims in 1979. Other cold cases were reportedly targeted for reinvestigation in California. New York, New Hampshire, and Arizona. In March 2011, investigators in Marin County, California, north of San Francisco, announced that they were confident that Alcala was responsible for the 1977 murder of 19-year-old Pamela Jean Lamson, who who disappeared after making a trip to Fisherman's Wharf to meet a man who had offered to photograph her. Her battered naked body was subsequently found in Marin County near a hiking trial trail with no fingerprints or usable DNA. Charges were never filed, but police claimed that there was a sufficient evidence to convince them that Alcala committed the crime. In September 2016, Alcala was charged with the murder of, 23, of 28-year-old Christine Ruth Thornton, who disappeared in 1977. In 2013, a relative recognised her as the, sub- as the subject of one of Alcala's photos made public by Huntington Beach PD and NYPD. Her body was found in Sweetwater County, Wyoming, and in 1982. And in 19- no, sorry, her body was found in Sweetwater County, Wyoming, in 1982, but was not identified until t- until 2015 when DNA supplied by Thornton's relatives matched tissue samples from her remains. Alcala admitted taking the photo, but not to killing her. She was also six months pregnant at the time of her death. Christine was the, is the first alleged, vict- alleged murder victim linked to the Alcala photos made public in 2010. 
The 73-year-old Alcala was reportedly too ill to make the journey to California, from California to Wyoming to stand trial on the new charges at the time. So yeah, he more just got added over the years. I mean, I don't care that man's ill. I don't give a fuck. I do not give a fuck. I mean, uh, can I just say this now that... Man, his hair, he does look a bit like... He had that hair of weird Al Yankovic. And... He's kept he kept the hair for a while. I mean, there's a couple of mug shots where his hair is just not what it was, but fucking. I mean, you know, he was a contestant on the show because of the way he looked. I mean, would you date anyone that had hair like that? No offense, people who have hair like that, but like, not really? it's not my like appeal and style. Me, you know, there's better '80s hairstyles, but well, I mean, we we know what kind of hairstyle we go for. Or I do, at least. Um, but, like, I just don't see this guy, like, appealing at all. Like, you know, yeah, he has a maybe a charming smile to some, but, like, I wouldn't, have put, I wouldn't have fucking put him on the game show. I thought he looked fucking very ugly. I, I know that's horrible to say, but this man's a fucking serial killer, so, you know, calling him ugly is justifiable. I mean, yeah, true. But he's old, he's an old... Wait, there's a photo of him, though, like, without the long hair, though, like, on a bed. Oh, God, don't know why. Well, he actually passed away last year on the 24th of July. Maybe that was the photo, then, of him. The day day after my birthday, ironically. So he died of unsuspected natural causes in, in California at the age of 77. Oh, so he lived a very long life. He was charged for this stuff. But he never, he had the death sentence, but actually didn't get, di- didn't die via the death penalty. Yeah. Which is fucking there's, stupid. There's loads, there's loads of serial killers like that, though, where they just don't die from the death penalty despite being sentenced to it. Like, it's, like it's Richard, just... Richard, Richard Ramirez is one of them. Like, he died... Of, like what stupid complications because of all the drugs he was taking or something. I think it was like a heart attack in the end, but he did he didn't die from um uh execution like he was meant to. Well, I mean, it's weird because as we've seen in maybe a couple of cases that they don't want to die either in prison or whatnot. Oh well, it, like and rotting away, or because of living to a, a natural causes. Obviously, some of them like when we did it's a cut low campo. When he took the uh, the, the um, cleaning stuff to to out to to die that way, I feel like you know there's a lot of people who just can't take the pain and just want to kill themselves that way. But the fact that people who get given a death penalty and then just die not from that is stupid. It null and void the death penalty. Why say you're getting the death penalty? And they don't die by that means. That's just like saying to everyone, well, we caught this person, and they're going to get the death penalty. And everyone's like, yay! And then they don't actually die by the death penalty. And it's like, oh, you got me excited for nothing. You know, I, I hope this guy died on the death penalty, but he lived to 77. He should have lived to 77. If you give him the death penalty, this man should not have lived to that age. Natural causes, I mean, it's understandable. He's born in 1943, so I guess life expectancy... I'm pretty sure life expectancy's on the up. I don't know what it's like for us. I'm pretty sure we are expected to live to, like, our 90s at least. Well, I know my granddad is in his 90s now, and he's still kicking about, so... 
Oh, yeah, like, like, my, like my, I think the last um, relative in my family that passed away uh, was my great, great auntie, was my, one of my great, great aunties, and she passed away at the age of 98. I, I mean, it's impressive. There's like, it oh, seems yeah, as though yeah, there's, yeah. Like, there's a select few people from years ago that just, just somehow live long, and I don't know how my granda does it, because he's, uh, you know, only recently, a couple of years ago, he like stopped driving. And he still gets out and about and in the gardens, always active doing stuff. And he'll still like travel to the mart, which is like just outside of in Rural, like, you know, see um cows being sold, that sort of thing. He still gets about at ninety and I'm like, bro, at ninety, I'm probably gonna be in my chair gaming away, being like, Oh, I can't get up while some robots giving me like my snacks and my drinks, you know, or whatnot. Me and my girlfriend just like fucking in her nineties on the on the gaming setup. Get them. Get um yeah we won that game or whatnot but it's impressive but yeah you know for, for like the serial killers and the fucked up people who do fucked up things shouldn't be able to live to such old ages if they're given the death penalty but he died in natural causes anyway so seventy seven fuck him he's in the grave now and it's a horrible man oh yeah he is and I, I probably will watch the footage because the you know the dating game seems like it's just that nugget of just nostalgia for some people but for me it's just gonna be ah that show that had that serial killer on it yeah him and it doesn't look appealing at all but it's an interesting quip though and like a leeway into there's probably other serial killers that have been on tv shows or something and you just don't know about it but as i said I always find it interesting in that weird niche when they're in the media. If you get what I mean, the fact that there's a lot of serial killers that we cover, they do the killings and everything, and they're in the media or famous from the media afterwards. Like, obviously, now a good example is Jeffrey Dahmer, recent TV show. But in the time of him doing the killings, he wasn't in media or, like, on something that could be broadcast to a lot of people like Rodney, who did killings and then went into the media or the public spotlight at E for a brief time just on a game show. But unlike the one with Ian Huntley as well, like there's a murder that's happened and they're looking for someone and then he's in the media prime spotlight on the telly. It's so weird because, as I mentioned, it's one of those moments where you just don't realise that who you're seeing is the person because of what's going on and you're more focused on the surroundings and everything. And I'd love to hear from someone who actually watched the episode live on the TV of his dating thing. Because like the contestant boy said, or oh, I found him a bit creepy. Imagine people watch, imagine, I pay those people watching the show as well thinking, that guy's a bit of a creep. And then afterwards they go, oh, that man I thought was a creep turned out to be a serial killer. Well, my instincts were correct. I mean, yeah. God, I'd hate that. I'd hate to like, Ah, imagine just like looking on TV and seeing like literally the person that you almost went on a date with is literally a fucking oh, serial killer. Oh, she dodged a bullet. Oh yeah, she did. Oh, what was, what was it as well? I um, who was it? Um, was it the Moore's murder? The know. one where the woman who survived who escaped him. No, no one escaped the Moore's murders. Um, uh, no. What am I thinking? Oh, I'm saying the wrong thing. Um. 
Who was it? Um. Oh. Wait, was it the Yorkshire Ripper? Uh, some people escaped him. Yeah. Oh, I think that's what I'm thinking. I don't know if I said the most murders. Is it the Yorkshire Ripper where the the woman in the alleyway, or when she was on that night out, she got clocked in the head? Yes, yes, that's, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah, because I watched it on the telly recently, a documentary on it, and she was on there being like, this guy clocked me in the head, and it was only afterwards I realised that who he was, and then it was like, oh, shit. You know that sinking moment where you, that, 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 that click of the wires in the brain must have been absolutely tragic for her. She obviously still has struggles now, as she said. And maybe the person who was on the, the dating game still has struggles as well, knowing the fact that she was in the grasps. Or actually, in fact, he had his had her arm round her. He had his arm round her, knowing that she basically was hugging a serial killer. And that's completely fucked. But it it'll be interesting to know if there's any more cases of serial killers on gaming shows or whatnot from other countries because there's probably some in like South America or um I guess whatnot maybe yeah. I'm, I'm gonna do I'm, I'm gonna research into that because I know this guy is the most famous case and now I know his actual true story it's kind of coming over the floodgates but I, I, I think I'd keep your eyes peeled I'm gonna see if I can find stuff I mean, we have we've touched on a couple in the media as well. So, and I, I, if people like that, it might be well because obviously we did the OJ, which is probably the biggest one for media-wise. But um, no, this is actually interesting. Um, note to self, then I guess from this one is if you go on a dating show, you might be matched with a serial killer who can say. Oh, don't go on a dating game show. Just don't. I mean, they seem like a laugh, but nine times out of ten, well, in this day and age, realistically, if you go on a dating game show, you're going to get some geezer from fucking lads, lad, or whatnot. And the chances are he'll be too pished. They won't actually be doing any killings, but... I mean, yeah. Hmm. Game show... Oh, he only comes up. Game show killers. Hmm... Why is it... Can I just... Sorry, I just Googled game show killers. Uh And I don't know why, but on Google... You know how Google has that thing where it says people also ask and there's a bunch of other options where you can click the drop down. Why is the top one, who is the most baddest serial killer ever? Like, how can you determine that? Uh, There's so many fucked up people that the baddest could be fucking any of them. But this list says Dennis Radar... And then Ted Bundy at second. Um, you know, I, I I wonder how Google and people make this list. Nah, he's he's the only one coming up. Uh, n- n- no, wait, wait, hang on. Oh, we might be onto someone else. Oh, oh, there's someone else that we could cover. Oh, don't tell them. Don't uh, tell them. You can research that one. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell them. If I do it next week. We could actually have another case on another killer who was on a show. Ooh. I'm not going to stay. Right, that's your that's your job. It's, it's Matt's week next week. Oh, I'm going to do this guy. Oh, I'm going to do this guy. Okay, right. right. Can you buy it? Uh, this is another niche we're tapping into. Oh. If you were on the live stream, thanks. Uh, we'll say it. Thanks again. Yeah, we thanks explained for, thanks for that us. we like tapping into cases that have something different from it, and it's a tiny little bit um, that 
the, the the fact is that we like Tabernacle, who are serial killers, of course, but yeah. something about them puts them in a certain category, like in this case, serial killers on game shows, or we've done other ones where it's child, people who are child and have done it, or other people in some sort of niche. But I found someone, so I think we're going to do this guy. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Nice. But yeah, guys, thank you for joining us for this episode. Sorry, it's not... Uh, it's not. We're still sticking to the hour-long mark, but uh, I know you're busy tonight, and quite frankly... Yeah. I, and if there's I, not... It's been hectic, like, really. As we've said, or I think we said in the live stream, we could talk about every detail, every minute thing, but we cover the basics. You know, if you want, as we've said, do your own research, watch the clips do all that stuff but if we if we did every minute detail of this person traveled traveled on a bus and the bus went all the way here they got off the bus they and it's like oh, we don't want us to hear that so but as we say go with caution in any of these cases if there is information or if they're like photos or videos of anything i i look at them but if if, if you want to go ahead and do that uh choice is yours but you know watch the dating game thing if you want and if you do if you do watch it, uh, you're not in for much, to be honest. I mean, yeah. But yeah, guys, Bye. thank you guys for listening, and we shall see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.